1: On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we're talking about how to make poly great again. Well, but seriously, we're basically straight up ranting about sexism, toxic masculinity as it's been shown in the current presidential campaigning in the US, and how the poly community can combat this shit. How we can actually try to make a difference and make things better instead of just ranting and complaining about it all the time.
2: I'm impressed that you actually said combat this shit. I didn't think that you would actually write out what I typed <laughs> for you, but I'm glad you did. You know did, what I'm glad I you did, did because, because yeah. swearing is yeah, appropriate is. because I'm angry about this shit.
0: Like, yeah. I'm not even living here anymore. I'm not even living, I'm not even
2: living in, in America and I'm still angry. And like I don't know what it is. Why like this has brought up like much more vitriol for me than it has in any other election. I mean
1: yeah. yeah oh yeah this is this is definitely the most upsetting campaign season that i've ever experienced um
0: well it's unlike any other election ever in the history of the world ever well at least <laughs> in the history of america <laughs> yeah
1: i, <don't>, I, feel <laughs> that's I
2: mean to be fair we don't know that. what abraham yeah. lincoln was saying on his you know hot mics back You're in the right. day
0: You're yeah right, even right. though he it was- sounded like trump had a close personal relationship with Abraham Lincoln, but yeah. My <laughs> God. Oh, just, okay, boy. so I know okay. you guys
2: like I never wanted multiamory to to really focus that much on politics. Like I hate talking about politics. It's never yeah. made me happy. I've never been someone who's enjoyed debating politics. But now it's just become something that's like so infected my brain sphere, like I just can't mm-hmm. avoid it. And because it's just become such a huge freaking deal, um you and know, just just to be clear the-
1: for everyone, this episode is not actually about politics. So for those of you who are like no. turning this off and just being like, I can't, my blood pressure is too high already. I can't do this. We're not <laughs> yeah. sure we're actually yeah, yeah. going to talk the whole time about politics. Uh, sorry, go on. I didn't mean to interrupt. I um, just wanted but to the keep thing the, the listeners listening.
2: that obviously current political events has set off an interesting cultural conversation um, about sexism, about masculinity, yeah. about sexual assault, about rape culture, um, things that, of course, we were talking about before, should have been talking about before, but now it's just kind of coming even more into the public eye, you know, especially as we have somebody who's a public figure who says some pretty ballsy things and very non-consensually who's running for sounding running the highest things.
0: office in the land,
2: in the land, yes, yes, indeed, and so that well, that's what kind of got us talking about these things specifically and how they show up within the poly community. You know, poly communities tend to be, in my experience, you know, very sex positive communities. You know, mm-hmm. generally, people who get engaged in alternative relationships um, tend to be pretty sex positive. Of course, you can be in a non-monogamous relationship and still be very sex negative. Um, But, you know, generally people who have kind of embraced this idea that it is okay to have multiple sex partners, Mm -hmm. it kind of goes hand in hand with things like, you know, but we understand the ideas of consent and the ideas behind, you know, having safe and healthy sex and things like that. Um, However, because the fact that this is a community that does frequently get associated with sex itself, um, Mm -hmm. there are still issues... there are still issues surrounding consent, even though these are communities that in theory would be populated with people who would understand it the best. Does that make sense? Yeah.
1: Yeah. That it's, that it's, you know, in in talking about this, it's hard because there are both these sort of small, subtle ways that, that, that sexism and sort of unsafe, non-consensual ways of thinking about physical touch and stuff like that are are so pervasive in our culture Mm -hmm. and just sort of our normal way of being that those can kind of leak into the poly world. Um, And then also, it's something that even if you have a poly community where a large number of the people are aware of these things, um, that doesn't mean that everyone is. And sometimes Mm -hmm. people can go into... Uh, you know, especially women, can go into a polyamory event kind of with the expectation that the people they meet here are going to be on the same page as the people in their polycule or the people, you know, that they interact with about polyamory and kind of let their guard and super down.
0: Respectful. Right, yeah. and
1: that they might sort of let their guard down a little bit and it can be even more shocking and more hurtful than when that, you know, when those sorts of... Um, you know, sexist ways of, of being, or sort of, uh, uh, someone approaching them feeling entitled to be able to touch them or something comes up, it's kind of more, even more upsetting and hurtful even because it's like, Hey, I thought this was sort of my community of people that understood and where this was, Mm. was safe. And, and, um, you know, and even as, as guys, sometimes it's, It catches us by surprise if we see another guy do something like that, too, that we don't even know how to react either and aren't being Mm -hmm. the best, you know, allies that we could be or even the best educators to our, our fellow humans.
2: So this is something that all three of us have experienced either personally or witnessed firsthand in these spaces, you know, at poly meetups or mixers or discussion groups, you know, which should be safe spaces, but end up not being safe spaces. You know, a couple of years ago, we went to a particular polyamory meetup. Um, and, you know, a friend of ours was physically manhandled by multiple mm-hmm. men, you know, and this was after an evening of, of, you know, talking to her about being poly, an evening of talking to her about being a sub. And, like, we were all shocked by how much, like, consent was not asked for and just completely violated and just like a bunch of people yeah. just like manhandled her you know when i was trying to leave like a guy that i was in the pool with that i've been talking to um like physically tried to pull me back into the pool um and so it's just these like i don't know these weird like very small subtle things that kind of infect these spaces because it's part of our larger culture i mean what have your guys' experiences has been with it
0: This isn't so much having to do, and I don't know, Jace, if you have a specific thing in terms of, like, a meetup group, but I will say, like, in first dates, this is something that happened to me, especially, like, very much towards the beginning of my poly journey, Um, but I went on a first date with a guy who was very explicit in his language to me about that, like, well, you must be down with fucking people you know, whomever, because you're polyamorous. And then he went on to, after, like, I made it clear that I didn't want to see him again, he would text me every so often and say, like, well, I need a fuck buddy, and because you're polyamorous, you're clearly going to be down for that. And he went so far as to show me, like, on this date, pictures of women who he had slept with to kind of brag to me, like, this is what I can get. So, you know, you should be interested and thrilled in like having me as a sexual partner. That
2: is really messed up. <laughs>
1: yeah. And I, yeah. <laughs> and I, I remember, you know, hearing about this all from Emily when she oh, got yeah. back from that date. Um, cause yeah. that's, that's back when we were living together. But like this, yeah. that story, um, I've heard basically variations on that. That one's like especially extreme and his texts were especially. Hilarious once we actually you know <laughs> made fun of him and read them, but sure. um, but you know, in an upsetting, very much like violating well, sort of way, but but what I'm saying is that thing, this yeah. almost this exact same story I have heard from almost every single partner I've had since being Polly. some oh, variation on this, some variation on this kind mm-hmm. of assumption that that gets made um, about kind of this entitlement that a guy would have with a girl because she's poly. So, like, because she's not owned by one man, she must just be totally available to him. That he yeah. should be entitled mm-hmm. to her because she's not owned by a man. And I I yeah, say yeah. owned mm-hmm. in the metaphorical sense, but, you know, might as well yeah. be. Um, but that idea yeah. of... And, and I think, D- Dedeker, you've even talked about this on some of your travels, where you've had that debate of, like... Mm-hmm. Do I just tell people I have a boyfriend so they leave me alone? Mm. Or do I try to like fight the good fight and like just say no (laughs) as me? Or like at what point is that even worth it?
0: You know. Yeah, I mean, do, like, I mean, wear wedding rings, like going out. Sure. Exactly, totally. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah, no, I mean, definitely, it's definitely changed country to country. You know, in some countries, I would try to kind of fight the good fight mm-hmm. and be open about polyamory, even though I know that this is possibly opening me up to this guy thinking that I'm interested in him, um, right. which is tough. Here in Turkey, I definitely like if if someone asks and I'm not interested in them, I just say I have a boyfriend, and like mm-hmm, I don't even. Yeah. Try because that's, right. you know, I mean, if you think that like the, the culture of sexual harassment is bad in the States, like you ain't been to Turkey because um, it's like sure. ridiculous over here. Um, yeah. But so cause this is actually an interesting transition is so because I've experienced and so many of our female friends have experienced something similar at poly meetups and at poly spaces mm-hmm. that it's made me not want to go to these meetups like you know some particular meetups anymore a lot of people who don't go or, to
1: certain meetups anymore because of this yeah and the, yeah. and the
2: thing is because it's it's you know forced me to choose between like well I could be going to a meetup where like I could make some cool friends I could be networking I could help be helping multi amory kind of reach more people mm-hmm. um but I'm it's going to be at the cost of having to be really uncomfortable for the entire night and so I'd rather not go and this is indicative of a bigger cost that is a constant cost to women, you know, and specifically it's opportunity cost. It's this idea of like, you know, either I kind of keep my mouth shut and I'm comfortable for instance with like an employer maybe flirting with me when I don't want him to or saying something inappropriate to me when I don't want him to, but it's better for me to keep my mouth shut and like keep my job or get this opportunity that this person has for me versus saying something and losing that opportunity.
1: And, And this is I mean, we we kind of got onto this subject from a, an article in the New York Times that's about that. That's They, they call it the, the special tax on women being that, of like, mm. well, I might have this opportunity or I want to keep this job, but I have to put up with this certain amount of sexual harassment or a certain amount of not knowing if I might be sexually harassed. Like, mm. mm-hmm. you know, there's the example we were talking about earlier of as a college student or a PhD student... And a professor asks you to work with them one on one. there's sort of that like little bit of doubt of like is it really that they're they just want to work with me on this thing, or is there something else there I don't know, and it's yeah. kind of this extra amount of stress and worry that gets you know added on primarily for women and and I will say that in my experience um as a guy, like I definitely have had some Uh, you know, I've had some situations in my life that have been a very similar thing where it's sort of this, like, okay, like, I'm, I'm now clearly being put in an uncomfortable situation by a man. This, it is pretty much always Mm -hmm. perpetrated by men. Um,
0: yeah.
1: Not to say that it can't ever be by women, but
0: Mm -hmm. most,
1: most, like hugely most often, um, by men. Um, Hugely
2: most often.
1: Hugely most often. That's how (laughs) it works. (laughs) Uh, you know, a vast majority of the time by men, um, where it's a similar sort of thing where I'm like, I'm not totally comfortable with how close they are to me in these situations or like the types of things they say to me. But is it worth me saying something about it or just sort of like dealing mm-hmm. with it? And and the amount yeah. of times that mm-hmm. I've had to deal with this in my life is is going to be much less than it is sure. for women in their lives. Um, but just, I mean, it 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 does happen and it, and it sucks. Um, like, yeah, Emily. Yeah.
0: Just, it still is, um, even like being in a position of power as well, it happens like a lot. I mean, for example, I am a manager at one of the restaurants that I work at and I still have male employees who are below me making lewd and obscene comments, um, at, you know, about me to my face, even though I technically could really hurt them within, you know, I could get them fired, or I could write them up, or something along those lines, but again, it is, like, well, shit, I have to work with this person on a daily basis. Do I brush Mm. it off and take them aside and say, like, please never say that again, or do I exercise my power and say, like, you little shit, I'm going to write (laughs) you up now. You know? Right. So it's one of those things, and you do it sucks that like it's even an issue, and that mm-hmm. that we as women or we as like anyone have to have to say to ourselves like, is it worth it to even go this way? I, I don't know. Um, to even go there, it's a it's a tough thing to have to have to deal with and have to think about because the, the, <laughs> obviously the best thing would not to have to be to put ourselves we, in that right. situation. Yeah. Well,
2: yeah, of course. I mean, I'm hoping as as sucky as it is having to be constantly bombarded with all the news of the election right now, like, I'm hoping, like, I think it's good that people are getting angry about this. And I would yeah. hope that that's an angry that carries over, you know? I mean, I was pleased to see that, you know, with the whole Brock Turner situation, um, that actually resulted in a law getting passed that. Yeah. at least in California, that made sure that people who have sexual assault crimes like do serve a minimum amount of prison time. Um, so mm-hmm. like that actually mm-hmm. resulted in something. As far as this, I don't know. Because, I yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, at know. least people are cry speaking cry about it, and articles are
0: being written, and yeah. yeah people and are getting angry, and that's great.
1: And I think that it is a really important conversation to have, because one of the things that is really hard about this is the fact that it's so ingrained in our culture and like, fuck, the fact that someone who's running for president in our country can say the sorts of things that he said and not even really apologize for it
0: oh yeah right that the apology shit. is like i'm
1: sorry if people were upset by it not that like
0: yeah but it's uh, like a room talk like right will it kind be of noise. making
1: excuses and being like well that's just how the world is and and yeah, this is something yourself. like the thing that's really hard about this though and and why i'm i'm glad there is some conversation and i hope we can help continue that is that that i know that for myself, as I was talking to Emily and Dedeker about this, but for myself, like looking back on my life, there have definitely been times in my life, especially when I was younger, like in high school, where I have been essentially the bad guy in these situations. Like, there's obviously levels, as you know, you know, the, the more extreme levels of like exercising power, like, Donald Trump was doing to be able to do whatever he wanted with women and that they basically Mm. were powerless to stop him without losing their jobs or whatever. But that, Mm. you know, like just not, not with any of that in mind or any of that intention. It was just the way that you're kind of taught to interact as a guy with women. Like I've looking back, I'm, I'm ashamed of some of the ways that I've talked to women or something like that. And I would say on the grand scheme of things, I'm really not that bad. But I'm still very Mm -hmm. embarrassed by those things, and I wish I'd even known that. That was, like, not a thing that was ever taught to me or or talked about. It was only something that Mm -hmm. I discovered kind of later on, either through thinking about things myself or, like, certain influential teachers or eventually in college and, you know, learning about feminist theory and then being, you know, poly and and getting this sort of community to to talk about that more.
0: I will say that um, women also are... Probably they do it as well to a certain degree because we do it to one another and we say to each other, like, you know, that slut, that whore, whatever. And that's also not okay. It's not okay to within the female community be saying those things about and to each other because it's not helping anything. It's not um, progressing anything in any way. So I think you're not alone, Jace. Like we do it to one (laughs) another as well. And that's (laughs) not cool.
2: Well, I was going to point out the side that on the side of women, like we frequently enable it, you know, like, you know, Jace has guilt thinking about times when he was younger and his behavior. Like I think about my behavior as well of times that I Mm -hmm. just didn't say something to someone who was doing something really inappropriate. And usually it was because it was in those situations where it's like, I'm at a modeling shoot and this photographer is making me really uncomfortable, but He's also about to pay me, (laughs) Um, you know, and like, and I, and I don't want to like make a big fuss, you know, and then have him never hire me again. And I wish that I could say, honestly, I wish I could say like, yeah, that's how I acted when I was younger and I don't do that anymore. But like, I still do it, Mm -hmm. you know, it was only a, a couple months ago that, you know, I was trying to negotiate a dance gig, actually an ongoing dance gig, and it was all going really well. And then the guy who owned the restaurant started flirting with me and started saying really inappropriate things. And I made the choice. You know what, actually I'm gonna very professionally say something. And I did. You know, I said, like, you know what, like I would love to dance at your place. Seems like a nice place, you seem like a great guy. Um I would love if we could keep this professional. And that was all I said, and like never heard from the guy again.
1: Yeah, you know, and so I'm like,
2: well, shit. Like, so I had to make that choice of like losing that gig. Um, Good
0: for you. Yeah.
2: Yes, but at the same time, like that's still in my head for the next time. You know, since Mm -hmm. then there have been times with you know modeling gigs where someone has said something inappropriate, but I've been like, you know what, I'm just gonna not. Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna deal with it. Yeah. Um, because it's easier than than potentially losing this job. Um, Yeah so it's still such a pervasive thing that is difficult to get away from
0: oh yeah yeah
3: it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper
2: to get you not just the fifty percent discount, but also the one hundred percent free shipping. Code M U L T I. All right. Okay, back to back to the frustrating stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, we had like three hours of discussion before recording this podcast. Seriously, <laughs> mm-hmm. trying yeah. to figure out like. You know, what is behind all of this? You know, it's very easy for everyone to just kind of complain and just kind of blame it on rape culture and blame it on toxic masculinity and blame it, uh, spend a lot of the tar time just blaming men for all these things happening. And Jace, you know, you kind of had some interesting things to share when you were talking about um, the meetup that you had with a couple of our fans and kind of talking about these things and these feelings that, like, you know, certain men within the poly community may have.
1: Yeah, well, this is something that I've felt that I've I've sort of struggled with for quite a while, um, and and I met up with with two of our listeners up in Seattle, which was totally awesome, and we talked about this a little bit too. But it's basically that if you are, you know, if you're if you're a man, uh, especially like the three of us who is a white male cis male, mostly hetero guy. Um, <laughs> You know, you realize that that, you know, if you're if you're paying any attention, you realize that you are part of the most dangerous group of people for women um, that, you know, the, the huge, vast majority of violations of women's consent and violence against women is perpetrated by straight white men. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, and, not,
2: and let me point out also not just like violations of consent and, and sexual assault and things like that, but also mm-hmm. on the legislative side.
1: Well, uh, historically, sure, sure. <laughs> white point. cisgender men Jeez. have
2: been quite dangerous for women and women's rights. Yeah,
1: absolutely yeah. true. Absolutely yeah. true. Um, um, but but basically this sort of thing of like, well, on the one hand, like I I understand that. And so mm-hmm. I understand that a woman would be entirely justified in being afraid of me. And, and that would probably be a smarter choice for her to be afraid of me than than a lot of other people simply because of the categories that I fall into. But at the same time, that is hard to carry that guilt for something that I haven't done. And it's kind mm. of it's kind of a tricky thing. And it comes up with, you know, with any time when you're lumped into a category with a bunch of other people, whether it's because of your race or your gender or your religion or, you know, anything else, where it's like, on the one hand, you know, there's a lot of power in being understanding of that and trying to, trying to make, make those things better. Um, but it's also kind of hard dealing with that guilt of feeling like, gosh, everyone hates me. I should kind of hate myself for being Mm -hmm. part of this, even if you're not, because you still fall into this same category. Uh, and I, and I bring this up because it's something that I've found, A lot of other guys who identify as as feminists or humanists or, you know, who are poly, more forward thinking, kind of can relate to this feeling of of struggling with that guilt and kind of maybe shame for being who they are. And it's it's tricky because I don't want to say that we're the victims here, because that's not the case. Mm -hmm. Like, we are very privileged. Um, But it's... It's important to sort of be aware of the fact that that guilt is there because if you let that go too far, that's what leads to a lot of these backlash groups. These kind of anti-feminist groups is this kind of like, I'm so fucking tired of feeling like I'm a bad guy and I'm guilty for stuff I didn't do. So like I'm going to need to do something to reclaim my like power as a man and like, oh, I'm actually the victim being a white man because I'm the one getting blamed for everything Um, Mm. you know, whether it's racism or racism or sexism or whatever it is. Racism. Right, I can't even talk. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, racism or sexism or whatever and kind of Mm -hmm. being like, oh, well, I'm actually the victim here. Um, And it it kind of plays into this whole cultural thing that we're doing at the moment, which is this commodification of of suffering or Mm. placing value on being more of a victim than somebody else. It's something Mm -hmm. that comes up A lot in our politics it happens a lot in our Mm. in our news coverage and also in like the types of debates that we're having in universities and on you know npr and like other other you know both sort of like highbrow intellectual places and also just kind of daily conversation in our tv shows and stuff is that is kind of this competition of who suffers more because if you're the one who's like more put out and more marginalized then you're the one who's more right Mm you have sort of a more mm -hmm. of a moral high ground just by default. So anyway, that was sort of a long, long thing that kind of looped back around on itself. But basically, it's kind of about being aware of that little bit of guilt, and feeling a little bit of guilt might not necessarily be a bad thing, but just kind of understanding that Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that you have to hate yourself or hate everything that you stand for or, or anything like that, but to kind of try to find that middle path that balance of understanding why that's upsetting to other people seeing how privileged mm-hmm. you are and that people like you have hurt them or have hurt their friends but not i guess it's it's i, I don't really know a good solution for it cuz i've struggled with this for fucking Whoa. ever but well, my like, question to, that's coming not up not let right. that just no, destroy I, you <laughs>
2: Yeah, is, like, what is the line between internalizing guilt versus just having, like, an educated awareness about this? You know, because I would point out that, like, I don't think that, you know, carrying, like, white cisgender male guilt Mm -hmm. is the average inner state of the average white cisgender male Um, (laughs) right
0: definitely not (laughs) you know like i
2: don't think that's the case but i think that is something that you and several other men especially in the poly community have come into because they've gained awareness more Mm so um so i guess that is the question is like where is the difference between awareness and guilt um Mm -hmm. Because honestly, maybe this sounds like a shitty thing to say. Like, there's some people I can think of, think of where I'm like, well, they could use a little bit of this guilt, maybe. <laughs> <For> sure. And <laughs> um,
3: sure, maybe sure. what I actually
2: really mean is maybe they could just use some awareness. And maybe with awareness also comes yeah. a little bit of that guilt. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Don't know. Well, and that, and that brings us to, I think what we really want to get to with this episode is how do we change this? You yeah. know, we're, again, we don't want to buy into this this, you know, making a commodity out of suffering and just kind of complaining a lot and being like, oh, the world sucks and we're great, but everyone else is awful. And and instead of kind of realizing that we're all part of it, that we've all been part of mm-hmm. the problem in some way or another, uh, just by being part of our culture at all, and that hopefully mm. we can change it. And so with that, I, I guess I will start with this this idea of of kind of understanding your position as a, as a white straight male um, that, you know, there's sort of that thing of like, well, what can you do? It's like, oh, well, if you hear another guy, you know, talking a certain way, you should scold him for it, or you should, you know, put him in his place. Or, you know, if you, you know, hear about a guy mistreating a woman, you should, should beat him up or whatever, right? Like there's, there's lots of solutions. <laughs>
2: that's, a little, that's a little extreme. Well, what I'm beat saying is
1: that actually all of these are not helpful. That also yeah. that idea of like putting a guy in his place for something is really not very helpful. Cause as we've talked about before, that when you argue with someone about a belief, you're more likely to just make them further entrenched in their belief and if you try to make someone, you know, put them in their place, which is again something that culturally we love—it's in all our movies and shows and stuff—but that's going to la- lead to that feeling of guilt, which is going to make them want to lash back with some sort of anti-feminism. Uh, and so, yeah. what I wanted to suggest um, specifically to men—and I really think that that anyone could do this—but it's that rather than Resorting to that place of of anger or wanting to give someone their comeuppance, as it were, is to instead ask ask the questions that that person kind of can't really answer unless they've thought about it. Um, you know, like like for example, uh, you know, Emily, you were mentioning earlier that um, a, a coworker at, at one of your jobs said something, uh, you know, accused you of being a bitch, be- you know, asked you if you were on your period because you were being a yeah. bitch because you told him an yeah. order was wrong. Something that's totally reasonable yeah. and, and for you to do, you know, you are his yeah. supervisor. Um,
0: <laughs> and exactly.
1: in that situation, as another either as yourself or another person is to rather than react to that place of like, dude, what the fuck? Not cool. I mean, maybe you could react with that first if you just want to be clear that, like, that's really inappropriate. But, um, you know, is to kind of ask, like, you know, hey, what? Like, any time that you're in a bad mood or tell someone they do something wrong, is that because your hormones are out of whack? Or is like, oh, is that because, like, your dad didn't love you? Or, you know, something that's just (laughs) kind of absurd. No, I mean, just to kind of point out, like, hey, like, that's kind of a ridiculous thing that you just asked. Uh, And then to hopefully from there have, have at least a little bit of a conversation. Like I I found that it's, it's, you're not going to convince them right then. So your job is not to like argue with them and convince them, but it's just to kind of at least open up the possibility that there are other ways to think about it.
0: Yeah. I really appreciate and like the fact that you talked about having a conversation with someone Um, I have a very good friend who's a teacher to middle school students um, in South Central Los Angeles. And she said that she's like a huge feminist, really like Mm -hmm. big within the feminist community in LA. Um, And one of her male students came in and was wearing like a, a t-shirt with two very scantily clad women on it in kind of degrading positions, essentially just like, Very, like, suggestive positions. Uh And she said to the kid, like, why do you think that that's okay? And then explained to him why it's not okay to, like, wear something like that. She said, you know, you're, you're reducing all the women in here, and especially all the young women, to that photo. And saying that they essentially are you know, only worthy if they look like that. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, continuing the idea of rape culture or whatever within the community. And it's not an okay thing to do. And, the, you know, the kid was able to, like, have an eye or at least, like, have a context for what she was speaking about. And then, you know, maybe change his thinking. I think we you talked about it before, just like we don't teach our kids as they're growing up, like what they need to be thinking about and how they need to be speaking to women. And if you Mm -hmm. can do that from a young age and if you can do it at any age, like, Hey, let's have a conversation about why this is not okay. I think that that can potentially like help move something forward. Uh,
1: Mm -hmm. I've also found that in terms of my conversation with other men, when I'm kind of thinking back of like what, when when something like that has come up, like even in conversation where it's mostly men there and someone says something that's that's got a little bit of that kind of sexist charge to it or like entitled or, you know, something, um, that when I think back of what's kind of had the most seemingly positive effect, a lot of times it's kind of starting with that question or kind of bringing something up. And a lot of times they will have a response to it. It's not like they're like, wow, I never thought of it. But like they'll give you some just kind of off the cuff response and is even just expressing something as simple as like, oh, you know, like I, I really don't, don't think that's the case. Like I, that really doesn't seem right to me. I actually think it's, you know, that, that whatever, that like women should have just as much right to choose who they're sleeping with as you do. Or like, wouldn't you want to be able to choose that if it were you or, you know, kind of whatever it is of just saying, oh, you know, I actually, I don't, I disagree with that. Not like you have to agree with me, but just kind of expressing like, hey, you know, I actually think this other way. And a lot of times it gets left at that. But I have found that over time, a lot of times you'll see a little bit of change there because it's just, Mm -hmm. again, it's kind of that humanizing. It's offering another view without making them dig in their heels Mm -hmm. and stick to where they are. Um, And unfortunately, that's not happening with Donald Trump because... It's, it's, um, it's, it's no,
3: Jesus. It. <laughs> he's either too far um, gone
1: or or something.
3: He's
0: definitely too far really <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: no. Um. Can you imagine what a come to Jesus moment that could be, though?
1: Wow. Yeah. If, if i man, it, I I wonder I, I if anyone out there
0: is. Yeah, has been like, <laughs> what in the for the love of God, what are you doing? Like, um, do you I know that we're. Else?
2: I know that we're running long, but this discussion is mm-hmm. reminding me of just just one thing. I watched a video once of a, a black woman being interviewed uh, about the concept of white privilege, and I know this is you know this is bringing in like more race issues, but this is still relevant when talking about uh, specifically like you know about like white privilege and male privilege and things like that. And she yeah. told a story about how like she went to the grocery store with her half sister, and her half sister looks more white. Okay. And that her half sister was in line ahead of her. She bought her groceries. She used a check. The checker was very warm, very friendly, and then she went and waited to the side. And that when she stepped up and paid for her groceries, used a check, that the checker then was like, Well, I need to see two forms of ID. She took her yeah, check, she pulled I out like the bad this, checkbook yeah. and was checking it, you know, right. and that the black woman inside her was saying, like, if I say something right now, like I'm gonna be another angry black woman, you know, if I say something. It's just going to be people are scared of the black lady who's throwing a fit. You right. know, it's it's not going to go well. So I'm just going to deal with it and not say anything. But her half sister stepped in mm-hmm. and she was the one who pointed out like, hey, like, why are you doing this? This is weird. This is my sister. You know, like, this is really weird that you're doing this. And that, you know, got the manager to come over that got people in line talking about it. And so she pointed out the fact that, like, my sister used her white privilege as a way to actually highlight this for other people because she was Mm -hmm. aware of the fact that she walks in a world that's different from mine. And so in that instance, white privilege was actually a great thing. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's something kind of similar where it's like if you're aware of this, if you are aware of your own privilege and part of being privileged is also being able to not have to be aware of your own privilege. Um, but when you do wake up to that, yeah, but when you're able it is to something that, that you can use. Yeah. Exactly. You know, that you can be the guy who says something rather than the woman who reacts and is a bitch, you know, or the mm-hmm. woman who reacts and says something and gets her job taken away or loses an opportunity. Um, yeah. So yeah, so that's just what it reminds me of.
1: If I could take one moment at the end here as well, I know we're, we are running long. Um, but to, to get on my soapbox about something that, um, comes up, comes up a lot in conversations and I, I wish people were a little more aware of, and I've been guilty of this before as well. Um, but this is the idea that you personally as a human can speak from your own experience, which is based on the groups that you fall into, like your religion, your race, your economic status, your sexuality, right? All all those things. But that you personally cannot speak on behalf of that Mm. entire group of any one of those entire Mm. groups. Um, and this is something that like in the, uh, you know, kind of early integrating of schools in the U S would be a problem if there was, say you had a class where there was one African American student and the teacher might call on them and say, could you give us a black perspective on this? And, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that it's, we are put into that or the same thing on, you know, it could be a panel and it's like, oh, well, let's like, what's like a straight perspective on this? Or like, do you have a, like, what's the queer perspective? Or that a lot of people, um, especially in minorities, will kind of take it upon themselves to feel like they can talk on behalf of their whole thing. It's like, oh, well, you know, as a bisexual man, like, this is what we think. This is our experience. Uh, And I just think Mm -hmm. that that doing that, whether it's as a woman or a man or as a sexual minority, actually kind of undermines everything because it's furthering this idea that you and everyone like you is the same, Mm -hmm. that you're not, Mm -hmm. that you're not individuals. You know, it's Mm -hmm. why, it's why things like men are from Mars, women are from Venus is so toxic an idea because it is reducing Mm -hmm. us all down to being the same because we're just in this category. Uh, And I think that it's something that even those of us who do tend to be, if people who try to educate ourselves more and to educate other people, we can really easily fall into this trap of trying to speak on behalf of a group that's larger than us and as a result, unintentionally belittling that group and dehumanizing the people in it and turning them into a group mm. instead of individuals. Mm. Mm-hmm. So that's my little soapbox.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah we've soapboxed a lot today. Yes. Thank you guys yeah. for listening to all, to all of it. <laughs> yes. Thank um, you get so out much. And
1: vote,
0: yes, please.
1: please. God, um, get out and vote. Um, also we would love to have you as part of our community. Um, I promise it's not, not always such a, a stressful topic as politics and, and <laughs> all of this. Uh, we do have some really fun, happy times as well. Uh, but really, we we love all of you and we really appreciate you. Thank you for listening. And please um, go out there and, and make the world a better place and treat everyone better than you wish you were treated.
2: And in the meantime, you guys can find us at our website, Multiamory.com. You can send us a question, a comment, a shout out, anything you want to info at Multiamory.com. And you can follow us at Twitter, at Multiamory. We'll see you next week, guys. Bye-bye. Bye.
3: Farewell.